some soccer! I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. Yo soy Seth Vertelny. Alongside me, Pablo Mauer, Thomas Floyd. For the first time in a month, I believe, we're doing a show. We're doing a podcast. It's live. It's great to be back. You sound rusty. I thought that was pretty good. Eh. It was okay. I think we should end this thing right now. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Good show, guys. Good stuff. I guess it has been a little while. Why, why have we not done a show in so long? I know Thomas has been at Harry Potter World. That's true. Thomas was at Harry Potter World last weekend. Uh, you were in Minnesota for a week. I was. Uh, I was in I New was York in, for a week as I well. I was in Sweden and Finland for a while. Uh, you were at some stupid wedding for like 15 weekends in a row. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of weddings. It's just, wedding, just life. It's wedding season. And, uh, you know, we could do them via Skype, but obviously we, we're concerned with quality. We, we only want you to have the highest quality content. I want to be able to look directly in your guys' eyes when I'm speaking. I do. I want to be able to look directly in your eyes and, and like, touch your face. Softly. Anyways, I want to uh, have my hands on both of your faces as I speak, as we do every week here. Hey, <laughs> uh, we're always uh, taking your calls. 347 756 6276. You can Skype at NASN Soccer, tweet at us at OWFSS. Uh, yeah, the usual. I, I'm we excited. Well, I'm excited. It's a late show tonight, so I think we might get more intoxicated people trying to <laughs> yeah. tweet and call us, so it should be cool. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, what, what do we got to talk about here? A, a lot has a lot well, has happened. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. I I feel like we uh, we missed a lot, and we're gonna play some catch up. But like, are we even gonna touch on the FIFA scandal? Like the fact that I don't think that's really on our radar right now. It says a lot about how much we we have to cover. <laughs> I mean, I told you guys I was in Sweden and Finland while I was up in that general area. I took to care of some things. No. <laughs> I'm working with the Department of Justice is what I'm saying. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. You know, the, la- the last time we did a show, it seemed like Set Bladder was going to stay on forever. And now here we are a month later, and it seems like he might actually just do that anyways. <laughs> Full circle. I love it, man. Just psych. You know, it's beautiful. I- I'm just really happy that the world has been introduced to specifically Chuck Blazer and Jack Warner. Like, the people within this pretty small American soccer community were familiar with them and their sheer ridiculousness, but now the whole world is in on the joke. Yeah, you know, before it was just us perusing the Chuck Blazer blog. (laughs) So great. And now, I'm sure it it had record-shattering traffic. People looking at three-year-old posts of him 
on a mobility scooter dressed up as a pirate. With a parrot. Under the radar storyline is the fact that Chuck Blazer, when he got separated, his ex-wife took the parrot and trained it to spout abuse at him yeah. and then returned it to him. What? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that I a real say, story? Yes. It's absolutely it's it's in the uh it's in what you know his testimony or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly why that would be relevant <laughs> to the testimony, <laughs> but I feel it's like true. the DOG yeah. or the FBI was maybe just like having some fun with the guy, you know. Like we got what we need out of him like Let's try and figure out who this guy even like, is. Tell us know. about what happened with like, what's the your parrot and the, yeah, t- and the ex-wife. I'm sure, like, in the testimony, it just says, like, tell us everything about the parrot, Chuck. <laughs> like, every detail by the parrot we should know, you know. And he's like, why is this relevant? And they're like, we're asking the questions here, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. All uh, right. So let's, let's, let's start. We're going to start off with some DC United real quick, and then we're going to move on to both hashtag USWNT and hashtag USMNT. Uh, lots to talk about. With both of those respective NTs, um, so let's get let's get DC United real quick here. Um, last night, DC United falls one zero to Orlando City at uh, the Citrus Bowl. I believe is where they play soccer there for now. Um, second straight loss for DC United. Still first place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, before that, they uh, they fell at home to Toronto FC. Their first Home loss in 20 games. Comprehensively dismantled by Javinko. That Javinko performance might... It might go down as this season's defining individual just put the team on his back. Javinko made Bobby Boswell and Sean Franklin, who are debatably top 10 defenders in MLS, look like traffic cones in the same play. Uh, You know, bobbing, weaving, and then beating Dykstra with probably... He probably had eight inches at the near post. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I think the one saving grace for Boswell and, and Franklin is that's happened to a number of MLS defenders yeah. this year and will yeah. happen time and time again. He's just so fast and he's so small. You blink and he's gone. He's hard to spot. He kind of hides well on the field, can kind of just crouch behind a, a player's legs and you, you sort of miss him. <laughs> yeah. Low um, center of gravity. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about last night because it's – uh, more recent, uh, United goes down one nil to Orlando City. I think the main talking point from this game is uh, the penalty decisions, uh, one that went against DC United, which led to Orlando City's goal, and then there was uh, there were a couple that that could have gone their way but did not. Well, I think we can. I, I don't know, but I, I think we're all in agreement. The PK call on Kemp, on Kemp was legit. It I was, think. yeah. And I think you have to wonder what Taylor Kemp's doing. Ball is. Headed towards the end line in the corner of the box, uh, you know he's positioned well, and he just sort of clumsily, you know, barrels into who was it, Ribeiro? Yep. And you know, I, I, I really, I'm really not sure what you know what got into him. Yeah, I, that, that's one of those where he just, in the heat of the moment, just wasn't thinking. That's really the only explanation I would be able to come up with there. Yeah, I, I think maybe as a, as a defender your mindset almost switches off a little bit when you're in that area even though it's just as much of the box as it is you know 5 inches in front of the goal you know yeah. maybe you sort of lose track of where you are on the field and and you know that's one of those challenges that you'd probably be a little bit more careful with if you were a little closer to the goal also uh, i saw this on opta dc united has 
conceded two penalties this year. Both of them were saved, and then the other team scored very quickly after. Uh, this one was the direct rebound, and then against Chicago a week or two ago, they scored like a minute later. Well, Kaká is so good that I think he wants to score as many from the run of play as possible. Right, he doesn't want that pesky his... parentheses PK next to his did goal. You, did you hear his score. post-game comments? They interviewed him post-game, and... Uh... He actually said, I told my teammates before this game that I'm tired of scoring penalties. I only want actual goals from now on. <laughs> Seriously? So I guess he got one, you know, but but just barely. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, is there a reason for concern with this team? I think um, it's easy to look and see that there's still seven points ahead of New England and yeah. easy to forget the fa- about the fact that New England went winless in five games. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, I, I, you know, clearly, clearly something's sort of a mess with the team these days. Yeah, I, teams in MLS are streaky, so I don't think there's any huge concerns. You know, over the course of a season, you're going to have spells where things go well, where things don't go so well. Right now, it looks like the attack is a little stagnant. Uh, you know, they're missing Pontius. They don't have Silva at 100% still. Um, and, you know, some of these players who've been playing heavy minutes maybe haven't looked at their best. Uh, like, I, I feel like last night was probably, you know, Chris Rolfe has been so good this season. Last last night was maybe the first time where I thought he had kind of a, you know, a game where he just drifted in and out and wasn't the impact player he usually is. And that's going to happen when... Uh, you have a lot of injuries, and the guys who are healthy are logging heavy minutes. And, and it's not going to slow down because they've got a busy stretch of more midweek games. They have the Open Cup coming up. And it's funny, after the game, uh, I asked Rolf about, you know, all right, so there's going to be some player rotation with the Open Cup. He just goes like, I'm not sure we have enough players to rotate. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a real concern with the number of injuries they have right now. I mean, I will say I had a conversation with Ben last week about the Open Cup and – um, the Open Cup's actually a tournament that Ben has a lot of affection for and has always uh, loved. I mean, I, I certainly I'm sure he's even more attached to it after it basically saved his job yeah. in 2013. <laughs> but um, I asked him how he was approaching it, and he he point blank said, "Listen, I you know I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm going to play all my starters on Wednesday. It's going to be a lot of depth." And you know, I, I asked him about the scheduling, and Ben, who's usually a guy who'll take any chance to go after the league office on the schedule said you know what like i i've seen some things this year that have sort of changed my mind i understand how hard they have it when they schedule these games and you know where else are they going to put them i mean it's just sort of the situation we're in so yeah yeah, i mean i'd probably expect to see a mix on on wednesday but i i definitely would expect to see your jared jeffries you know jill you know the the players that haven't gotten you know luke mishu players that haven't gotten minutes all year you know, I, I suspect you'll see them on Wednesday. Yeah. Just random aside about the Open Cup game. They're playing at Pittsburgh, and if any people from D.C. can make it up, I would highly recommend it. They have a really cool stadium. It's, like, right across the river from downtown, and you're just basically looking at the skyline. It's only, like, a four-hour drive. So. Highmark Stadium, it's called. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I, uh, I streamed the Rochester Rhinos game in Pittsburgh earlier this year. So as, uh, as one does when they're Thomas Floyd. Uh, it's also another artificial turf stadium, which Benny pointed out after a game, so he wasn't exactly a fan of that aspect. Let's talk about Ben for a minute. I kind of wanted to bring up a point, something that I noticed, and <clears throat> you guys can chime in on it. I think uh, yesterday was <clears throat> definitely, uh, you know, we did, actually didn't really even talk about the PK call that um, that Ribeiro missed, which was 
a pretty blatant uh, foul in the box on Perry Kitchen. Last play of the first half gets pulled down by St. Ledger pretty blatantly. Um, you know, obviously, D.C. felt like they were wronged a couple times. There was a lot of emotions on the field. Davey Arnault, in particular, was looked like he was going to kill somebody, <laughs> you know. As he does. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, Fabian Espindola, same thing. And you sort of got the feeling that all the guys in the field lost focus. And um, I, I feel like it's kind of becoming this trademark of a lot of Olsen-led D.C. teams that they – maybe don't manage the game very well after a decision on the field doesn't go their way, something that's out of their control. And, you know, uh, last night was was interesting because you see right after that call doesn't go their way and uh, Orlando gets on the board, there's the hydration break, right, which was the, the first in almost history. Thomas, you w- yeah. witnessed history, Thomas. I know. Although so, someone pointed out there was a famous unofficial hydration break in 2010 when one of the referees just decided in the middle of a game to do it and uh it was like unauthorized so wow. there you go that's uh I, if get, i had your sound effect can we, i was yeah. just gonna say um <laughs> i should have your sound effect queued up here but i don't anyways uh i think um you know i think uh, olsen has a chance there to sort of gather his troops and say hey calm the fuck down there's nothing we can do about this anymore but instead he's going after the fourth official and it sort yeah. of makes you wonder, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because, you know, it's not really the same at all. But I remember when I played, uh, my frustration with Jesus, the official. Here, here we go, Uncle Rico. Are you, are I you know, gonna, right? Are you going to talk could about you, the, Could you throw a football over the mounds <laughs> when you played? talk about the Olympico you scored? Oh. Yeah. God. No, just like playing club soccer growing up, I remember my frustration often mirrored that of my coach. Sure. Like, if your coach is calm and collected, it has an effect on the players. And if the coach is pissed off at the ref, then you get pissed off at the ref. And, you know, I may, and yeah, they, it's something I honestly hadn't really thought about until you brought it up. But I think there's some validity to it. You know, I th- it, I, like, I, I saw it a lot in 2013, especially. Um, and obviously, it's probably just because things were going so terribly that Ben and the guys in the field were frustrated constantly, you know? But, yeah. I feel like, and you know, I feel like it's weird because you'd think that it wouldn't be a trademark of this team. They're made up of all these vets, you know, but um, I don't know. Something, uh, they just seem, it just seems like when they get bad calls, they sort of lose focus for 20, 30 minutes, you know. I do feel like this might be part of Olsen just being a naturally fiery guy. And I think that that aspect has also benefited DC United a lot too. I think that they feed off of his intensity, and maybe this is one of those times where you just have to say, "Well, this is well, just I mean, kind agreed. of part of it." And if I did, if I sat down with Ben and did a piece on this, I'm sure he would say something along those lines. Listen, I'm a, you know, our, our guys want want to win, and at any cost, and sometimes that boils over, you know. But uh, I don't know. Seems uh, seems like a distraction, anyways. Onwards. Uh, what do we think of Steve Birnbaum making his first start at center back in a couple months, right? I mean, he's been playing left back since he returned from injury. I guess he, he had one game where he partnered next to Opare in Portland when it was a reserve-heavy team. But this was his first game back with Bobby Boswell reuniting that center back pairing that you know some people would argue, you know, especially as we started this year, was maybe the best in the league. Uh, it looked like he had a few nervous moments and hasn't quite been himself since he returned from injury. Yeah, definitely. There's there, there's been some more high profile slip ups from him than than we saw 
during last season, um, DC was upset about that penalty call against Kemp. But uh, of course, what led to it was Birnbaum botching a clearance uh, that was pretty easy, and he only was able to get it to the edge of the penalty area, uh, which kind of directly resulted in that sort of 50-50 challenge that Ribeiro got to first, and, and Kemp ended up kind of bundling him over. But certainly with, with Birnbaum, he's been working his way back from injury. He's been playing some different positions. He even played left back one game, which was a little bizarre. Yeah, it was, a, Two it was games. a couple games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, strange. It told me after one of them that he had... You know, I asked him if he'd played there before, and you expect to hear him say something like, yeah, a little bit in high school or college. He had never played outside back in his, at any level. I mean, obviously, when you're like a six-foot-four dude, you know, sizable guy, you're not going to, you know, play fullback. But I was, I was a little surprised that Ben – you'd think Ben would play Nick back there or something like that. There are guys on the team who played outside back, you know, but – yeah, I've I've actually been wondering if we'd see the Nick DeLeon at fullback experiment return, but alas. Yeah, Nick's, I mean, he's played right back. He hasn't played left back for them, has he? he? Hasn't, no. no. Yeah. He has. There's definitely been a letdown for Steve since um, since he came back from the national team. His national, you know, he had a sensational camp with the national team, very quickly gets hurt, and hasn't really put in a good performance since then. And you wonder, he's a young player. I wonder how much of that is that he comes back even after he's healthy Olsen sticks with Kofi Opari you know and I think that can do something to your confidence certainly if you're a rookie you've maybe never been in that position before you know and I think certainly most observers of United assumed that Burnbaum would just step right back into that role let's uh let's actually go to the phones real quick here in just a moment 703 you're on open wide for some soccer how can we help you how you doing, man? Big fan of the show here. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome, you're welcome. Well, it's I've been listening to the show right now, and you guys mentioned Ben Austin. So I want to ask, is Benny Ball sustainable? Is Benny Ball sustainable? Well, I mean, I'd say that he... Uh, I, I, I feel like if any style of play is sustainable, it's actually Benny Ball. I mean, all you... Quote-unquote Benny Ball. I mean, all you need are... You know, a, a, a decent crop of, you know, MLS kind of, you know, workhorses and they can play the sort of, you know, sit in and then strike on the counter and try and remain defensively sound. I mean, how, how would you define Benny Ball? I'm just curious. Well, I mean, the way I see it, you know, he, you know, bunker, both for lucky bounces, he tried to weather the storm, which, I mean, honestly, has got his first place thus far. You know, my concern is, is that going forward the best style? Because of what we've seen what that produces in the playoffs and the Champions League. So, me, to me, like, maybe Benny Ball is the future, but I think a little bit more is needed. And hopefully, during the summer transfer window, we can get some type of player that can really help out because... We've been dominated by Orlando three times, but yet they've only beat us once. Can we sustain this to the playoffs? Maybe. But if we do get to the playoffs, what are we going to do? We can We cannot go. We cannot go 90 minutes, 60 minutes, 30 minutes, bunkering, weathering the storm. All right, well, first of all, actually, I meant to get your name when you called them. What was it? Ricardo. Ricardo. Okay. 
for yeah, today. I, I will say there's uh, what what you allude to the idea of them bringing in another attacking piece. I could see that because there's been talk of Eddie Johnson's salary being removed from the books, and if they do add another uh, DP caliber player, you they, think they they you know, signed Bill, so that money's pretty much gone. Well, I don't. I mean, that's not all of it. But it's. But it's, I think just, it's probably it's most of it. Yeah, it's, finding a player for the hell of it. It's, it's you know, it's it's more than that. It's, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to sign the the type of player that you want them to. I mean, they're they don't have. I mean, it doesn't have to be a DP. It doesn't have to be like a name, a big name. Just someone to come in and to play its role. Or someone that to see the ball to roll. Someone that to see the ball to yeah. Spinola. Someone that to see the ball forward because that's the problem. You know, we're so much of Benny Ball that we forget that soccer's more than that. And well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think one guy, have a guy like that in one guy, for example. Well, right, and another, and, and if you want to go Fukuda down the route, of, if you want to go down the route of new signings, I was going to mention Korea. You know, he, we haven't seen a whole lot of him, but yeah, he's looked somewhat promising. Play, but we have to really play it, which I don't understand. Even Hosni could play that role a little bit, but somehow a guy that's playing in Champions League, he's playing Champions League, can't beat out Barry Arnold. Well, he's been which, okay. First of all, Hosni's been Hosni's been injured for stretches. He's actually with Finland right now. So he missed those games, but you know, at the same time, you have to understand where where Ben's coming from. Davies played well this year. Yes, yeah. I mean they've actually been rotating uh, those two. Yeah, that's yeah. debatable, but I mean, sure, I guess. I mean, but one thing, bitching for every call doesn't help the team, though. Like you said, you know, once if Olsen stretches over a call, then that affects the whole team. And since Arnold's the leader, if you will, it's just all about mental, man. And I think at a certain point. We have to move on from that type of mentality because ultimately it's about winning titles and championships. It's you know it's about hoisting those type of titles. You know what I mean? Yes, you know the whole we made it this far, but it's just to me we should be like progressing, not digressing. At a certain point, though, but that's just me, though. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, mean the team. The team is there. The team is there. I, I see a, a gritty team, but remember, guys. You know, what made United so special, you know, in those days was not only the grit and the heart, but the style and the finesse and the purity of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, I mean, we'll we'll have to see what happens. Um, you got a couple callers behind you, so I'm going to let you go. But uh, always appreciate the call. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sure. Take care. Have a good night. All right. See you, Rudy. All right. Uh, subtle. Um, I liked. Uh, I will say I. I think the team uh, I wanted to bring up, Luis Silva, is if he becomes healthy, he essentially is this player he was referring Agreed. to. Agreed. Yeah. That, I think that's the missing – that's been the missing piece. It's, it's like a new signing, right? Yeah. I mean – That's that's what that's what Arsenal fans have been hearing for years. About. We signed Luis. Yeah. Abu Dhabi. You know, <laughs> right. We signed Luis Silva like when, he get, when he gets back, it's like a new signing. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to move on to uh, the U.S. women's team. Before we it. Before we do – um, we have a tweet here from uh, Nathan McVitie, a uh, big fan of the show, and he says, if you don't mention the new Shenmue on Kickstarter, you're all dead to me. And I don't want to be dead to Nathan, but I have to confess, I have no idea what the yeah, hell that is. I don't know what that is either. Neither do I. I mean, he provides a link. I could just play it. All right. If you want. Should we play the video? Yeah. Uh, well, I have to do it. Well, I have to do it. <laughs> here, here. I'll, I'll play it because then we can all hear it. Is this? <laughs> like, what is this? Is this? All right, hold on, hold on. I'll, I'll do it. Okay, okay, do it, do it. <laughs> do you have the volume up? Okay, there you go. Do-san, 
Are you going out? Yeah. You were late <laughs> returning home last night. Yes, a little. I would appreciate it if you could come home by 11. Okay, I understand. Okay, wondering when the soccer comes in. It, there is a, something about soccer in this. <laughs> fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. That's enough. Uh, uh, I hope you're happy, Nathan. They're, they're, <laughs> kick, they're kicking a soccer ball around. Just, just, just retweet, Nathan. Let's move on. Okay. Um, thanks for the tweet, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> all right. U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, they uh, do what they need to do in their first two games. Put themselves in a, in a good spot. I, I would imagine that they're going to get the result they need against Nigeria tomorrow night and uh, top their group. Anything could happen. Nigeria looks kind of dangerous against Sweden, not so much against Australia, but uh, certainly not vintage performances in their first two games. Uh, you know, they really struggled against Australia in the first half and then kind of wore them down in the second half and win three to one. And then against Sweden, uh, a better performance defensively for sure, but uh, very little in the way of, of attack. And, um, you know, they could have very easily lost that game. Probably the best two chances in Sweden. First of all, there was a, a pretty clear handball on Sydney LaRue that they missed. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a penalty kick. And then that should have been a red card. Yeah. If she gets called for that, I she th- stuck her I, arm out there intentionally, Ben. Yeah, yeah. It's debatable. And then of course, Klingenberg, uh, heads off the underside of the crossbar to save a goal. Yeah. All five foot two of her. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what do, what do we make of the, the, the team so far in the first couple of games? Uh, I mean, like you said, they've done what they need to do. And the the thing I've really emphasized uh, following the team is that if they win their group, which they've put themselves in a great position to do that, then their round of 16 game will be should be a cakewalk. They'll be playing a third-place finisher from some other group. And even their their quarterfinal would be against a group runner-up. So they won't have to face another group winner until the semifinals. So they've really, they have a lot of time to figure this out. And they basically, you know, by winning this group, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but they have put themselves in a spot where it, something would have to go horribly wrong for them to at least not make the semifinals. Yeah, and it, I mean, this is where we are with the with the women's team is you can put together a couple of poor performances like they have and, and, and still be in a position where they have, as you say, a cakewalk to the semifinals of this tournament, and they've been able to do so because they're just a more talented bunch than the teams that they've been playing. Yeah. And that said, there are things they need to figure out. And solo. I mean... Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the the talent. I mean, they have the best goalkeeper in the tournament. But they they do need to figure things out going forward. The... I had, I think I looked this up for a story. They've used five or six different forward combinations in two games. They've basically just been rotating LaRue, Rodriguez, Wambach, Morgan, Press, giving them all chances, trying different combinations, and none of them have really worked. The chemistry just hasn't been there. They're all great individual talents, 
but you know they're ha- they haven't been able to consistently create chances against these teams. I just I just asked Seth if we should talk about Hope Solo, and he just looked scared and shook his head. And right, <laughs> <laughs> he wants to go there. Um, Neither do I, though. <laughs> uh, let's talk about her. Uh, she's a good goalkeeper. She did a really good a job great keeping the there. balls from going into the net. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyways. Uh, I, it is interesting watching the U.S. play these better teams and someone, particularly like a Sydney LaRue, who just uses her physical dominance to rack up goals against, you know, like the CONCACAF minnows. You see her in the actual World Cup and their effectiveness is really limited. And you wonder if, you know, going forward, maybe they should look at some different options up top. All right, let's go back to the phones here. 914, you're Noble Wife for some soccer. How can we help you? Hey, it's Dan Corral. Hey, Dan Corral. What's up, Dan Corral? Hello. I had a USWNT. It's much harder to say than USMNT. Let's hear uh, a USWNT question. I don't understand. I mean, I haven't been watching this team as close as I'll, you know, I'll watch the men's team or anything. So maybe they tried this in the run-up to the World Cup. But I just don't think the four-four-two is working. Like, like Thomas was just saying, all those forward combinations don't work. And I don't feel like it utilizes their best strength against this team, which is just the fact that they're faster and more physical than any other team. So why don't they do some sort of 4-3-3 wide? And I think Rapino should be more central. I think she's kind of wasted out wide. Obviously a great cross of the ball, but, you know, I feel like she can do much more. And I I want to see Tobin Heath in there, too, because I think her on the ball is is a – you know, advantage. I don't think Carly Lloyd has really been that good either, so I would even take her out and put some heat in. What do you guys think? Uh, pretty much everything you just said is what the U.S. did in World Cup qualifying. They played the 4 3 3 with Holiday as kind of the, the deep lying role, which she's playing now, but she had more protection in that situation because she had two other central midfielders and then it was Lloyd and Rapino were the other two center mids and then they would have a three person front line with uh either Wambach or LaRue up top and then you know probably Tobin Heath starting on one flank and um Heather O'Reilly or they rotated other players on the flank but yeah I I think the 4-3-3 is something they went away from a little too quickly, especially with the idea of maybe playing Morgan Bryan in her natural central role other than the wide midfield spot she's been playing the last few games. You could put, you could have a three-player central midfield with Bryan, Lloyd, and Holiday where they could cover for each other. And then you would uh, hopefully have a, a front line where you're not trying to awkwardly jam together different forward combinations of players who really don't work well together and you could get another player like a Tobin Heath in there and add a little more creativity so basically I agree with everything you said and I'm curious uh, why the coaching staff hasn't tried it out Thomas uh, Thomas obviously has been watching the games in the run-up to the World Cup is actually leaving for uh, Canada on Wednesday, correct? Uh, might be Thursday, but yeah, soon. So, open wide for some soccer. We'll have a man on the ground at the Women's World Cup. This is our first World Cup, guys. You know, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm getting. You're going for... on behalf of open wide for some soccer. This right? is the, right, yeah. This is the first open wide for some soccer we're re- representative we're... at a World Cup. Yeah, that's a legitimate claim. Yeah, I can't, a, don't yeah. fuck this up, Thomas. I just hope that I justify the amount of travel budget we're spending. If on you this. could please, please keep your sexist comments under control while you're there, I think 
I think Seth and I would really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you should probably refrain from just discussing domestic violence, too. I know you kind of have some (laughs) out there beliefs on that. So it's probably better to just keep that to yourself during the World Cup. And then maybe we'll we'll bring that up on a future broadcast. Thomas, enjoy your canceled credential. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week. Dan, uh, as always, we appreciate the call, man. Thanks, guys. See ya. Uh, no, Thomas, you, what you were saying was interesting because I, I do think that, that right now the, the midfield balance seems to be a little bit off in the uh, 4-4-2. I mean, the 4-4-2 means that you only have two central midfielders and then you have Holiday and Lloyd in there. Um, Holiday is playing that deep-lying role, but she's more of an attacker. Um, Lloyd doesn't really give you much defensively, but also I think – She's maybe a little stifled going forward because there are only two of them in there in the middle, and it just doesn't seem to be producing the kind of offense that we have gotten used to seeing from this team. Yeah, it's also interesting. In addition to that 4-3-3 they played last year um, in World Cup qualifying, and they've been working on that 4-3-3 under Tom Sermani before that, so they they know how to play that formation. Uh, in the Algarve Cup this year, which the U.S. won uh, with a win over France in the final, uh, they played the four four two, but they had Morgan Bryan in the middle next to Holiday, and they put Carly Lloyd out wide. And they went away from it because the idea was that it was really limiting Lloyd and that wasn't her best spot. But I, I kind of wonder if that's they're better off doing that because Bryan provides a little more of a defensive presence, I think, than Lloyd does. Uh, even if Brian isn't the greatest uh, tackler, she's a, a smart player who's willing to sit in and let Holiday go forward a bit more. And then maybe you let Lloyd provide some uh, creative energy from the flank so you have someone on the opposite side from Rapino, And it's not just this one-sided attack that seems to really uh, rely on Rapino to get things moving forward. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, teams... The, the World Cup is always deceptively long. It's a month. There are seven games. Teams go through different formations and personnel. And I, I bet the U.S. at the end of this tournament will will look a little different. I wonder what we what do you guys make of uh, Abby Wambach's turf comments, implying that the U.S. would score more goals if the you know if it was if, if the tournament was played on grass. It uh, seems like uh, sour grapes to me, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, every I, team is playing on the same surface. Yeah, I, I mean, if I had blazing fast speed and a little bit more ability, then maybe I would be at the World Cup last summer for the U.S. Just, just saying. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, hypothetical, but I'll say I understand wanting to take as many shots as she can at FIFA for this because it's pretty ridiculous. That said. All the other teams are on the turf, and I feel like, if anything, it benefits the U.S. because they're used to the surface. Many yeah, fields in the du- NWSL use artificial turf. Yeah. Uh, they've been playing on it. I mean, if you're playing in college or even club soccer growing up in this country, you play on turf. You're used to it. You understand how it changes things. You don't. You maybe don't like it, but you're more accustomed to it than players from these other countries are. Well, right. And and, and Wambach, she struggled in, in, in the first two games. And and the last thing that you want to hear from a player who's having a hard time is, is excuses, and especially excuses that don't really pass the smell test. I mean, the turf had nothing to do with her completely whiffing that header against Australia and whiffing that other header against Australia. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there was one against Sweden where she kind of headed it down into the turf and maybe the ball got slowed down. I mean, who knows what would have happened, but it, it just comes off like sour grapes. 
And uh, it, if anything, going forward, uh, the turf, it, it'll cause some wear and tear on players. Guess which team has the deepest roster in this World Cup? It's the U.S. So if teams are getting worn down and need to rely on their bench players, it's it's going to end up helping out the U.S. as this tournament goes along. Yeah. Got a, Henry on Twitter asks if we think that uh, Abby Wambach's uh, sponsorship with Scott Longcare, Longcare has anything to do with her comments. Sounds like a joke, but it's actually a serious question. <laughs> I mean, I, seriously. Yeah, know. I don't know the answer to that, yeah. but I think it is a uh, interesting question that's maybe worth asking. I, yeah. I hope that Abby Wambach has that much audacity to say something that she might not actually believe, but because it would work more in her favor for her sponsorship potential, she just does it. Yeah, I I wouldn't say it's it would be completely because of the sponsorship, but is it a factor? Nah. I wish I was playing on grass. And if I was playing on grass, I would choose Scott Turf to maintain it. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. Um, it has been a little weird that she, while she's been saying this, she's just been sort of grabbing handfuls of Scott's turf builder and sprinkling it on the press core. You know. <laughs> and and onto the artificial turf, which I don't think is yeah. going to do much to it. Well, we'll see. I don't Speaking know. of Wambach, uh, you know, I think a, a big question for the U.S. is what their ideal forward partnership is going to be. You know, they they have three really solid forward options in Wambach, Morgan, and, and Larue, and then we saw Press get moved up to to forward against Sweden uh, with Larue. Didn't really seem to work out between those two. I, I think. Anybody would say that that Morgan is going to be starting if she's healthy. Uh, there's still a couple question marks. She's only played ten minutes in the first two games. I mean, what do we think the the ideal pairing is for the U.S. of top? I think it might. And be. by we, I mean Thomas. <laughs> I actually think it. <laughs> I think it might be Morgan and Press uh, in an ideal situation. And maybe you give, uh, maybe you shift Carly Lloyd out wide and put Morgan Bryan in the midfield to make up for taking press out of that flank role. Maybe you put in Tobin Heath. Uh, maybe you put Mo- Morgan Bryan there. Either way, I think it's press and Morgan up top. I'm also, I'd be interested to see more of Amy Rodriguez. She's actually a interesting complementary player. She isn't the prolific goal scorer the other players are, but she's one of those players who, when she's in the lineup, the team just seems to play better, and there's a little more cohesiveness. She brings some speed that stretches opposing back lines, and she's a a pretty solid combination player. And she was the one who was starting up top next to Alex Morgan when they won that Algarve Cup. So it's... uh, But uh, I'd also... I'd be interested in seeing Morgan next to Wambach as much as Abby has, you know, not looked at her best these first couple games. Those two have a history and they complement each other well. Let's talk about the U.S. men's national team, who are all of a sudden the number one team in the world. Giant killers. Uh, just... 2014 World Cup champions. That's the way it works, I think. Right now, when you beat the defending champion in a friendly, they legally turn the trophy over to you well it's like a boxing title match you know it's like a wrestling belt yeah yeah, right germany had the cup u.s wins germany hands over the cup it it wasn't a 
very highly publicized ceremony after the game. They kind of kept it hush-hush. Klinsmann and Lowe are good friends. They didn't want to embarrass Germany too much. But, yeah, that happened in the Really great for Bobby game. Wood that he gets a chance so soon to, to kiss that World Cup trophy yeah. and hoist it over his head. It's going to be very strange when uh, Guadalupe wins the World Cup after their <laughs> upset of the U.S. And... I, that, that is, that is kind Antigua. of a... I can't wait to see this team lose to Antigua. I mean, it is, it is kind of an interesting aspect of, of these uh, two wins against Netherlands and Germany, both away, is I, I feel like it does really heighten the expectations for this team going into the Gold Cup, which now seems like a tournament that they, they should be able to win if not easily but they should be you know the favorite for if they can you know win these friendlies obviously right. they're they're different circumstances plus they're not gonna have bobby wood for the gold cup <laughs> and then so. they're not gonna have bobby wood because they have alan gordon instead which is obviously a huge upgrade um is he just like just is just just trolling that kind of shit <laughs> that, i mean the alan gordon thing isn't i i tweeted this out but i'm gonna recycle it alan gordon is older than landon donovan <laughs> And that he has outlasted him in terms of national team career. Like, think oh about god. that. Oh my god. I, I, I just think it's it's way more romantic and this will probably still end up being the case, but it would be way more romantic if Alan Gordon's only national team appearance was that one game against Antigua and Barbuda where he came off the bench and had a pretty crucial play which ended up in an assist for Eddie Johnson to yeah. to get the u.s through that uh it was the uh semi-final round mm-hmm. the round before the the hex yeah that was uh, the funny thing is I, w- I actually watched that highlight recently and like steve chirundolo was on the field for that like that's it's, it's so long ago but it's uh you know he's he hasn't been back with the national team since and now here he is at uh, he's not even a regular starter for his mls team and He's here. He is possibly going to the Gold Cup. Speaking of Donovan, real quick, you guys read this Bleacher Report interview with him. It's funny because somebody has like you know told me to read it and said, "Oh, he seems like he's over the whole you know Klinsman snub thing." Um, And he does say that he's moved on from it, but he says something really passive aggressive, which is, "I'm going to be around a lot longer than any one coach." Just, just like you know, maybe. He's what do you not- mean, be around? I mean, he yeah. he's retired. I, I mean, know. I think he means his, his relationship with U.S. soccer. I guess I yeah. don't know. Do we think he'll outlive Klinsman? Yeah, is that what he's saying? Klinsman like- looks like the kind of guy who, like, at age seventy, like, start going into some kind of cooling chamber to like slow <laughs> slow his pulse to like twenty thirty beats per minute. You know, and just sort of, you know. You think he'll ask to have his uh, like head preserved, Ted Williams style? <laughs> Opening kick of the 2074 World Cup is uh, using Jurgen Klinsmann's cryogenically frozen head. Is that what you're saying? It's funny like that you. Futurama. Yeah, it's funny that you say 2074 because that would be the 100th anniversary of Germany winning the 1974 World Cup. I can't wait till in 2074, uh, di- uh, you know, director of U.S. Soccer Thomas McNamara names. <laughs> The cryogenically frozen head of Jurgen Klinsmann as the head coach to almost universal. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't even. Alan Gordon the third makes the Gold Cup roster. <laughs> God, we're doomed. <laughs> Anyways, so what do we think about the uh, U.S. national team center backs? Um, there were there I think were, there were lot, some concerns. There were yeah, I mean the, the, there were there were a lot more positives than negatives in this uh, two-game stretch for obvious reasons, but because 
we're cynical assholes. We're going to focus on some of the negatives. Their uh, backline was shit. The backline was back wasn't man. great. They gave up yeah. three against Netherlands. They gave up one against Germany. Okay. They had some decent moments, but the, the certainly uh, some But But the, posi- the positioning of- on all the goals was so bad. I mean, and there were there were players who who scored for who scored for Germany, Goethe, right? Like, yeah, we'll just sort of like step back from him, give him like eight to ten feet yeah. of space. It's not like you know we had any kind of warning, you know? Like, it, it, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, the so the player I'm going to fixate on is Ventura Alvarado. <laughs> I feel like this is a just a long history now of Klinsmann vastly overrating players from Liga MX. Like, Alvarado's a nice prospect, but he's just not ready. And the the fact that he's getting call-ups over, like, a Matt Hedges or many other players who are playing at a with, higher level than him I wish him you would do right that now. with Jonathan Bornstein. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great if he brought the Bornstein back to the picture. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, he's just... He's not ready. And he probably won't be ready for a few more years. And... They, it seems like Klinsman is just trying to to really force it, and uh, and again, like seems to overrate the. I mean, obviously, Liga MX is a step above MLS. You know, CCL has proved that to us time and time again. But it's not that much of a step. Where if you're if you're a starter for a Liga MX team, you're automatically national team caliber. Also, Alvarado mostly plays outside back for Club America. And he's shifting him into a center back role. It's 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 a tough position, and you know maybe this is another example of Klinsman, you know, wanting to put guys in in positions where they're uncomfortable to see if they sink or swim. But partnering Alvarado with John Brooks, a guy who also gets caught out of position from time to time, I and mean, there's not really a natural vocal, experienced center back leader there to really take charge of the back line, and it leads to some issues, like you saw. Yeah, and uh, also Timmy Chandler. Yeah, I I feel like there's. Uh, there's a perception that maybe fans are hard on him because of his whole saga back and forth. Dude, I think he's just bad at soccer. He is, man. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the one player on that team who keeps getting call-ups, and I just don't understand why. I mean, yeah. even somebody like Wando, right? You, I, you, I, you see him on 35-man for the Gold Cup, and you kind of roll your eyes. But the guy's got nine goals. An MLS, eight, nine, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and, and, like, good locker room guy. Exactly, yeah. right? Can teach... The kids on the team something, but man, uh, Chandler is just awful, dude. I'm he, sorry. Yeah, he just constant lapses in concentration, just beaten for for pace, for positioning, and he uh, and he doesn't seem. I, it doesn't seem like he adds much to the locker room. Like he's, you know, that that's like the perk that Wando has on his side for whatever faults you see in him, and uh. I, like you see, like Brad Evans. If I'm the U.S. fan, I'm more comfortable with Brad Evans at right back in this Gold Cup than Chandler. At least Brad Evans can nutmeg Lucas Podolski uh, <laughs> after a step over. Yeah. Um, Evans actually looked pretty good. What he'll be 33 next World Cup? Uh, is it is Brad Evans going to be uh, this cycle's Brad Evans? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I wonder about Chandler too is I wonder if Klinsman is still. Because Klinsman went to such great lengths to sort of get him back in the picture for the national team, and and Chandler had the audacity, I guess, to even say no at some point. You wonder if Klinsman's too proud or something like that, and just needs to sort of squeeze every drop out of the lemon. You right. Know what I, mean? I actually think there's, there might be something to that because it would look strange if Chandler just you know stopped getting called up after the World Cup. People would 
jump to the assumption that oh all he yeah he only wanted to go to the world cup and yeah. now he's uh bailing on the team again so i mean it's it is i guess good to see that that's not what happened that he's dedicated to the national team and apparently has gotten over his previous concerns about you know but if you're not very good i mean who cares yeah i mean i'm also dedicated to the national team <laughs> right i'm available for, for selection any day Jurgen. you know i don't think it matters very much yeah it's uh it and I think uh, especially with – let's transition to the next topic. With DeMarcus Beasley back in the fold, they have enough fullback options where I don't think like What do you Chandler, mean the next topic? Are you suggesting that we have a list of things to talk about in front of us every episode? This is a, this is a free-form – come on, man. Yeah, this I'm is reading, like a drum circle, basically. Yeah, it's like right, a soccer I'm, drum circle. I'm reading it right there. <laughs> this last topic was right before the – cryogenically freezing of Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> exactly. Had that one plotted out. Yeah. Right. Um, what do we think of Beasley's miraculous return to the national team picture? I mean... Is he even playing well? I, 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 yeah, I have to admit, like, I, well I don't seem games. to notice he's, like, he's, that much. He's probably top five him. outside backs in MLS, which is not saying a lot. No. So. Yeah, he's, uh, he's like a poor man's Chris Tierney. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he's a poor man's Demarcus Beasley. Uh, no, I mean, doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, it does. It... <laughs> Don't look at me. All right. Anyways, keep going. See, this uh, is why we have to do the shows in person, <laughs> so I can stare into Pablo's soul when he makes a dumb comment. Right. Was hoping so, you'd kiss me. So let's uh, theoretically say the outside backs are gonna be uh, Beasley. Bobby and Johnson, DeAndre Yedlin, Timmy Chandler, and like Greg Garza gets cut. Is this is this a situation where Beasley is a big enough asset where it's worth perhaps hindering Greg Garza's growth with the national team so Beasley can help you in the Gold Cup? Because I actually I'm all for the idea of bringing your best players to the gold cup i think it's your continental championship and you want to win it and it's not all about grooming for the next cycle which i feel like some personalities in the media and fan base think that but i think if it, if two players are pretty close then yeah go with the younger one and then and the player who has more potential going forward and i think that's garza and i think garza has played well for the national team and his cap so far maybe Maybe not so like the last couple games, but he has enough potential where I'd like to see someone like him over Beasley. Well, and you you wonder too. Then shortly after you learn that Beasley's on the roster, you learn that he's. I want to say that quote was just open to playing in the group stage only. Oh, I don't. I don't yeah. know if I saw that. Yeah, no, me neither. Yeah, uh, I'll find it. You guys can talk, but it like it, it, that particularly confused me. If you're gonna like. You know, I mean, you feel like if he's that important of a piece, he'd want him for the whole tournament. Yeah, another another name I was surprised to see off the list was was Jeff Cameron. Although apparently, uh, Stu Holden alluded on the broadcast that it was uh, some kind of a club issue. But um, you know, a guy that that really could have helped the U.S. I think that center back position is really kind of up in the air right now. Um, Klinsman hasn't called. Omar Gonzalez in uh, recently. Uh, Matt Beasler, same story, hasn't been very good in MLS. Uh, you know, I, I think that, and, and and Klinsman, I think agrees that that John Brooks might be the guy going forward. You know, he made some comments to the German media saying that he was pretty close to locking down a permanent role in in the starting eleven. Um, 
he is a little error prone, but I do think that his ceiling is so high that it's it's a guy where you're almost willing to ride out a few bumps in the road in order to get the finished product, which, you know, he has a ceiling where he could be the best U.S. defender ever produced. Quick, Just a quick correction. Beasley <clears throat> said he's open to the idea of only playing the knockout stage. Yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah. Uh, anyways, anyways. Um, which is a, a strange wrinkle of this Gold Cup <laughs> that they now allow that that you can just change your roster after a knockout stage. Um, the uh, yeah, there's some interesting players. Uh, like Tim Marim is a guy who continues to be on the fringes, and I don't expect him to be on the Gold Cup roster. But I'd like to see more out of him. He's been Bolton's Player of the Year two seasons in a row. Uh, he's got some versatility. He can play as a left back. He can actually play as a D mid. And speaking of D mids, uh, there's a good chance Perry Kitchen's going to be on this Gold Cup roster because uh, Jermaine Jones is out and Kyle Beckerman is old, and they <laughs> they need a backup at that position. Well, I think uh, he's he's going against Morales probably for the the spot, right? You would think. Yeah, with uh, yeah, Will Traps out of the picture because he's been injured. Um, so yeah, that'd be uh. That'd be interesting to see if Perry gets a chance on this Gold Cup team and can get some minutes for the U.S. in a uh, competitive situation. And then D.C. fans can see a whole lot of Jared Jeffrey for a month. So that'll be fun. Uh, I actually like Jared Jeffrey, but that's a different topic. On a personal level. Um, He's a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. uh, One player now on the roster, which looked a lot more silly about two hours after the roster came out, uh, Bobby Wood... Uh, roster comes out right right before the Germany game, and of course scores his second straight game winning goal. This one in all spe- time, spe- all, all time, all time U.S. national team scoring leader Bobby Wood. I think, I think there's <laughs> a from the roster. I think he's a uh, he's either in first or one off of first for the lead for the U.S. national team in 2015. I think there's a very good chance he like never does anything else for the national team again <laughs> and this is just the legend of bobby wood well he apparently if the rumors uh, are to God. believe earned exactly. himself a move to the bundesliga, bundesliga. <laughs> yeah with those yeah they're i feel like they're going to be surprised when they get him and see no. the, oh, oh yeah you're bobby wood <laughs> and the, i saw the fee 1.5 million euros that's, that's not small change. For I mean, like. it's not like a massive transfer fee, but for for a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of a track record, you would feel like you could get at least four or five Bobby Woods for that kind of money. You would, you would, um, Bobby. <laughs> but yeah, it's it is a little strange now to see him not even on the provisional roster with the no chance of, of playing in the Gold Cup. Um, Jordan I, I Morris, do think, I, I do think do we want to talk about Jordan Morris. No, go ahead. You, well, it applies to both players. I think. I do think a lot of times you see with younger players where they come in in their first few appearances and are riding on adrenaline and you know playing incredibly well, and then reality soaks in and maybe the then there's a letdown. You know, you kind of might get that feeling about Bobby Wood, but whatever, man. Enjoy the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll eat my words if Bobby Wood ends up being the U.S. national team's next great scoring threat. But uh, based on all of the other national team games he played before these two, I, I'm thinking maybe this was kind of a flash in the pan situation. When all right, let's 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 predict when Bobby Wood's next U.S. national team goal will be. So he's not on the Gold Cup roster. So I want to I want to okay. So I want to actually just make this like a wager with Thomas. I want to like put him in a compromising oh. position. Okay. So yeah. within the next year, 
We'll give it a one-year window. One-year window. If okay. he scores three goals. For the national team. national team. Oh, that that's 0% chance. Okay, I mean, so and then like, what, what are we having him do for that? Okay, so wait, are we talking Are we talking calendar year? Or like 365 days from now if he hasn't scored three goals? I'm going to give you the 365. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That um, God, I, the I have only, to remember for a year. The only, the only thing is, I maybe he get called up for a game against like Antigua. And, Thomas, you have to eat yeah. uh, like a cup of sand. Uh, I mean, that's that, what I've come up with. <laughs> that's what I've come up with over here. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go ahead any, and I'm gonna go ahead and decline that invitation. Seth, do you have, you have a better idea. I was thinking you like take some sort of a, a photo in a really compromising position. What if we like have. Uh, Thomas do like a, a strong hallucinogenic drug, and, and, then, and then do a show with him. Exactly. I mean, I agree. again. I I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean every on, week on Thomas's behalf, I agree to that. Yeah, I would just do that, even if yeah, whoever you know, it's fine. <laughs> Might be fun. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris. Let's think. Let's think about the terms of this. I think we could come up with something good. Yeah. We'll we'll put that on the back burner. We've got some time to figure that out. How about yeah. you drink a six pack of Bud Light Lime during one of our broadcasts? <laughs> <laughs> to have to chug it, John Oliver style. Yeah, John Oliver yeah. can only get one of them down. That is that is kind of a good idea. I think we could make that happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, lastly, Jordan Morris, second of the savior, 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 savior. savior of you of soccer or. Literal savior of all humanity. Jordan Morris is one of these situations where for all of the things Klinsman does that are almost universally panned, then one of them works out and you're just like, man, does he does he actually know things we don't like because yeah. uh, you know I don't follow college soccer that closely, but I kept seeing from people who do make remarks like wow Klinsman keeps calling in the fourth best player in the Pac-12 you know like <laughs> uh, like Jordan Morris was not is not like you know can't miss a uh, U.S. soccer prospect and Klinsman spots him gives him the chance and it just keeps working out and uh you know I gotta give him credit for that the same way he deserved credit for randomly putting Julian Green into a World Cup knockout round game, and he scores, and bringing DeAndre Yedlin to Brazil and decisions like that. Yedlin, by the way, showed extremely well. Yeah, he's games. he's got to play next year he's, somewhere. He's somehow got faster. Yeah, like, he looks. It, it, uh, it, that it, was just you saw him going up against Lucas Podolski. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. I wonder, is it weird to look at Jordan Morris on that field in that game and be like, that guy's unpaid? <laughs> Just really, really strange. I just like the idea of explaining to Sebastian, like to to to, to like one of the German players. Like this guy plays college sports. That's what he does. And you're going up against him right now. Yeah, yeah. Like I think the concept even of college sports is is strange to people outside of the U.S. I mean, we're really the only country that puts a lot of stock and money into intercollegiate athletics, and to have a guy be on the u.s national team who's only playing college right now is kind of bizarre we should we should stop the yeah show. let's wrap it up actually my battery is at eight percent all right I let's do it got my charger again put on the put on the music just hold on a second jesus christ we need that music 
There you go. Another seamless ending. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> we won't make it a month between shows this time. No Bye. promise. No promises.